Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Do you remember the day that you were saved? The day that you were baptized into Jesus Christ? The moment where you said, I am going to leave my past life and I'm going to come to the Lord and I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Well, most of us do. And most of us realize that uh, we came to that conclusion because somebody came to us and presented the message of Jesus Christ to us. They came and told us about Jesus. Maybe it was our parents. Maybe it was a friend, a neighbor. Maybe it was a loved one, a mate, a brother or a sister. Somebody came and said, Jesus loves you, God loves you, and wants you to come home. Now that's exactly why Jesus came to this earth. We know that. We know that because we have heard that all of our lives and because it's in God's Word. God's Word tells us that God sent His Son, His only Son, to this low ground of sorrow and suffering because we were in a mess. Humanity was in a bad place. We, we uh, left ourselves, we don't improve. We just get worse and worse. That's what happened in the day of the flood when God overwhelmed this world with water because the thoughts of men's hearts were evil continually. So when Jesus came, he came to this earth because we were in a bad shape. And the world does not get any better without Jesus. The world is going to deteriorate without Jesus. The world is going to get worse ethically, morally. The character is going to fail. Things are going to go from bad to worse without the intrusion of God into this arena to help us get better. And that's why Jesus came. He came to save us from our sins. He took upon himself the form of a man, the form of a servant. Philippians chapter 2 at verse 7. And the text tells us as we read the Word of God, and that's where we get our information about Jesus and about God. The text tells us in Luke 19 at verse 10 that the Son of God or the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Paul the Apostle, we or most of us are familiar with who he is. He was Saul of Tarsus to begin with, but then he was saved because he was confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was uh, baptized into Jesus Christ. He arose, his sins were washed away, and he began to tell the story of his master Jesus. 
And he said in 1 Timothy 1 at verse 15, he said, this is the faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to save us. Now there are three parables found in the book of Luke and chapter 15 that tell us something about saving the lost. These three parables are involved in three different settings. The first setting is a shepherd with sheep. He has a hundred sheep, and one of the sheep goes astray, and he leaves the ninety-nine, and he goes in search of, in quest of, the one. And he finds the sheep, and he brings him back, and the text tells us that there is joy in heaven over the one sinner who repented and came home, the one that was saved. The next uh, illustration or part of the parable is about a woman who lost a coin. She lost a coin. She couldn't find it. And she searched diligently for it. She lighted a candle. She looked everywhere she could. She swept the floor. She swept the house. Finally, she found it, and she invited her neighbors to rejoice with her because she had found the lost coin. And again, the text says that there is rejoicing in heaven, joy in heaven with the angels over the discovery of that coin. Now that tells me something. I need to talk, pause right here and say this. That, that tells me something about the attitude of the angels and of others who have a concern for us. We oftentimes... I shouldn't say oftentimes, but sometimes we get to the point that we feel like nobody really cares what happens to me. No one cares. Sometimes we get to get into the mood that, that we're just uh, not worthy of anybody's attention or anybody's care. But this text says that when, when one sheep was returned, one sinner comes back into the fold, the angels rejoice. They are concerned and care about the sinner, care about me. The same with the coin. Now the third illustration is of a young man, and this is all found in Luke chapter 15, by the way. The third illustration of a parable is about a young man who went to his father and said, give me that which is due. And when he did, then he went into a far country and he wasted all of his living. Eventually, the text tells us that he came to himself and he decided he would go home because he knew that in his father's house there was plenty. And where he was, he was trying to feed himself with the hogs out of the trough. And he didn't have anything to eat, didn't, probably didn't have any good clothes, had no, no shelter over his head. So he said, I'm going to go home. And he did. Now, no one came to find him. He just went home. He realized, I am lost I'm, I'm, uh, I've, I've distances, distanced myself from my father's house. I need to go home, which he did. And when he, when he got home, you know what his father said? He said, this is my son that was dead. He's alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. He's been found. Okay. Jesus came to save sinners. He came to find sinners. These three give us illustrations. The lost sheep knew he was lost, didn't know how to get home. The lost coin had no idea, had no concept of whether it was lost or not. 
The woman found it. The lost son knew he was lost and decided he better find a way to get home. And so he did. Jesus set about, when he got here on this earth, he set about announcing his intentions to find the lost. Matter of fact, he said that he was announcing a kingdom. I'm going to make a place called a kingdom that's going to engulf all those who are sinners who want to come to me, and so they can come to the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, he announced. So he was announcing that he was coming here to find you, find me. And he enlisted help with this. After he began his ministry, he selected 12 men and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and help me make this announcement. Go preach. Preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and men should repent. Change their hearts. God wants us to change our life in a most fundamental way. A fundamental way. He wants us to change our character. He wants us to change our direction. He wants to change our disposition. He wants to change our attitude. He wants us to change. And that's called repentance. We're going to make a big change. And that's what they were preaching. That's what John preached, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He sent 12 of his apostles out to preach the same thing. And then he took another 70 men later and told them to do the same thing. Now, after he died on the cross, he marshaled his forces. He arose from the dead, and before he went back to heaven, he gathered them all together on a small mountain peak, and he gave them marching instructions. And what he said was, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. There's the issue. You need to be saved. And he's saying, I want you to go tell everybody you that will listen to you that they can be saved. Go look for these people. Help me find them. And then on another occasion, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he says, Go therefore and teach all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lo, I'm with you always, even at the end of the world. He said, I'm going with you. I'm going to help you get this done. But what he's saying now, and listen carefully, he's saying, let's go find the sinner. Let's go find the sinner. Help me find the sinner. I'm going to send you to do what I've been doing. And whenever you find a sinner, you tell that sinner to go find some more sinners. That's what he's saying. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, the only way sinners are going to find out that Jesus wants to save them is if somebody comes and tells them that he's looking for them. Isn't that correct? That's exactly what's going on. So, in the book of Romans, chapter 10, at verse 13 through 18, Paul wrote it this way. He said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, we're lost. We're destined for destruction. We're, 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 we're undone in this world. There's no way we can save ourselves. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, they that are whole don't need a physician. Only sinners need to be saved. So we're all sinners. And Paul said this in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You cannot self-improve. You need the direction of the Son of God 
the Son of God who came to save you. So he, he continued, he said, How shall they call on him? In whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe? In whom they have not heard, how shall they hear without a preacher? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of good tidings, the gospel of peace, and bring glad tidings of good things. He said, but they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who's believed our report? So then he said, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yea, verily, their sound went out into all the earth, and the words unto the ends of the world. So, the apostles went out preaching and saying, you need, to be, you need to come home. You need to be saved. Saved from yourself. Saved from your sins. You, need to, you're, you can't rebuild your character by yourself. You can't rebuild your life by yourself. You need help. You're lost. And we know who can save you, which is Jesus. Now, like the parable of the prodigal son, part of the seeking and finding process sometimes falls upon the one who's lost. So the, the sheep didn't know he was lost. He knew he was lost, but he didn't know how to get home. The coin didn't know he was lost. But the son knew he was lost. The son knew he was in trouble. He had to get home. There have been those down through time who have realized that without any prompting, basically. They've just gotten wind of the fact that they're lost and that, that, that something needs to help them get out of the situation they're in. You remember the, the story of the birth of Jesus. It, it began by talking about the three wise men or the magi that came from the east. They came looking for Jesus. Some people actually look for Jesus. These people were, these three. And the text says in Matthew chapter 2 at verse 1 and 2, When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. They came saying, Where is he? We are looking for him. Now that's, I think, when we, when we look at this carefully and we think about ourselves in the modern day, how many people do you know that actually went looking for Jesus without somebody coming and telling them, Jesus is looking for you? That, that, would, be, that would be unique, wouldn't it? But it, it does happen. And it happened then. We know that one time when Jesus was 12 years old and he was taken to Jerusalem to a festival with his parents, that he became separated from the group and the parents started for home and found out that he wasn't among them. And so they circled back, went back to Jerusalem, looking for him and searching for him in the city. And in Luke chapter 12, or chapter 2 at verse 36, it says, It came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Now, the key is they found him. The parents were looking for him and they found him. On another occasion, after Jesus started his public work, he was 30 years old and he was preaching in the area of Judea. Several individuals who had been following his progress 
One of them was Peter, Simon Peter. One was his brother, his brother Andrew. Then there was another fellow by the name of Philip. And it, it says that they were following Jesus and listening to what he was saying. And then in John chapter 1, verse 45, they, it dawned on them that maybe they had found somebody important. Philip says he found Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him. We found him. Of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found him, Philip said, because they were looking for him. If you are looking for Jesus today, if you're looking for Jesus, where would you look? Where would you look if you wanted to find him? Now these fellows found him. His parents found him. The Magi found him. The Philip found him. Where would we find him? Where would we find Jesus? Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 says, Seek and ye shall find. So there's God's promise. Knocking shall be opened unto you. So if we look for Jesus, we can find him. And there are places where we'd look, basically. He's very accessible. The first place we think about, and, and let, let me just see if we can put this in a context that, that would give us some practical application of it. Let's assume that we have lost someone, lost track of them over time. We've lost them. How do we go about finding them? Well, the first thing the person in, in our day would say, I'll Google them. I'll Google them. I'll see if I can find them. And you know what, what they do when they Google? They find, a, they find a written record of that individual. That's the first thing you do. And if you're a real detective, you'll trace them back a little, little further. You'll, you'll keep going until you find them. But if you Google them, you're going to find a written record. So if we want to find Jesus, we look for a written record of him somewhere. And you know what Jesus said when he was here? And people were wandering about him and wondering what, what, who he was. And he, he's saying it. he's the son of man. He was sent of his father. He said in John chapter 5, verse 39, he said, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So he said, if you're looking for me, where do you look? He said, check me out. He, they didn't have a Google then, but they could. They had a book, they had scrolls, and they could look. And he said, you can find me on the pages of inspiration. Jesus said he was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is the Word. The written record, the first place we'd look for Jesus would be in the written record, wouldn't it be? We'd open the books and say, okay, where is he? In John chapter 5, verse 46, Jesus told those who were listening to him, he said, If you had believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. Okay, now I'm looking for Jesus. What I'm going to do, the first thing I need to do, practically, conceivably, without any other evidence around, I have to look for the written record of Jesus. That's the first place I'll go. And after his resurrection, he told his disciples that if they had, if they had really been looking for him, they should have been looking in the scriptures and they would have found him. Really. 
In Luke chapter 24, verse 44 and 45, he said unto them, These are the words that I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. There it is. Now, how difficult would it be for a person looking for Jesus today to find him? You say, well, okay, we look in the written record. How difficult would that be? How difficult would it be for you today to get a copy of the New Testament? How hard would that be? Do you, do you know that, that the uh, New Testament has been translated into over 2,400 languages and dialects and copies in the millions have been distributed all over the world in everybody's language, in everybody's dialect. How hard would it be if you're going to look for the way home, and if you're going to look for Jesus, how hard would it be to find Him? Well, you're going to have to do a little reading, aren't you? Okay. So we have, we have a copy of the Bible. Find a copy of the Bible. And that some people say, that's, uh, I'm, not, I'm not good at that. Not good at that. Okay. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You're not good at that. So now how are you going to find him? Well, if I were looking for someone, I'd, look at, I'd Google him. I'd look for the record. Then you know what the next thing I'd do? I'd look for his family. I used to do that, by the way. I've done a lot of silly things in my life. But I used to do that. I was, I was hired one time to, to uh, track people down, trace people for a finance company because they owed money and they needed to be reminded of the fact that they held property that belonged to my employer. So I would see if I could find them. And you know the first people I would contact? Their family. I'd say, okay, I think I can find this guy if I can find his family. So I'd find the family. Where's your, where's your son? Where's your daughter? They owe us some money. That's what I, what I approached. I never, I never confiscated an old woman's cow to get collateral back. I never did that. But I did, I did uh, take into custody some of the uh, things that were committed to the loan, like cars and pianos and things like that. But we look at the family. Okay, where are we going to find Jesus' family? Where are we going to find the family? Well, we know Mary and Joseph are gone. We know his brothers are gone. Where is his family? Let me read a text for you. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through 50, the text says, While he yet talked to the people, his mother and brethren stood outside desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, your mother and your brethren stand outside desiring to speak with you. Your family's here. Okay. He answered and said unto them that told him, Who is my brother? Who is my mother? Who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples. He looked at all those that were his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. The same is my brother and sister and mother. Whosoever will do the will of my father. So, if I'm going to look for Jesus, I'm going to look for his family. 
I want to look for those who believe in Jesus Christ and those who obey Him. That's His family. Now, that's not going to be hard, is it? I'm going to look for a family of Jesus. And if we, if we can't find them among, among the family, if I can't decide who the family is or not, the, who's related and who isn't, then maybe I can just find some of his friends. That's what I did too. When I couldn't get a hold of the family, then I traced them back and said, okay, what about some of his friends, some of his co-workers, some people that knew him, knew these folks intimately. And that's what a detective does. Isn't that correct? If a person is missing... Then they, they, first of all, they, they look for the family members. Then if the family members don't produce him, the next thing they look for are friends. People who, would, who would, he would be in contact with or she would be in contact with. His friends, how do, you, how do I recognize who his friends are? Well, uh, if I, I can identify, I think, those who have been befriended by Jesus and those who are friends of Jesus, we'll know who they are within the first paragraph of a conversation we have with them. They'll tell us whether or not they know Jesus. His friends will use His name respectfully and with reverence. Colossians 2 verse 9 through 11 says, God has also highly exalted Him, given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. So His friends are not going to be those who take His name in vain. His friends will be those who use His name in honor and respect. Every knee should bow, things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And his friends, the friends of Jesus, I'm looking for him now. Where do I find him? Can't, can't find him among the family? But I think we really could. You know what I'm talking about. Go to church. That's his family. That's, that's the house of God. Paul told Timothy, he said, if, if I tarry, that you might know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. The house that means family. He's with his family. He said, I, I want you to behave yourself in God's family. He, he talked about the family of the church, and that's in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 14 and 15. And his friends will treasure his friendship without compromise. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So you're looking for the friends of Jesus. You'd be looking for those people who honor his name, those who glorify his name, those who exalt him, those who bow their knee to him. That's where you're going to find Jesus. So now here we are on our search. I'm looking for Jesus. Family, I can find him there. Friends, I can find him there. In a book, I can find him there if I'm not a good reader. Somebody can tell me about him. Now, at this point, let's look at our chart again, the hidden Jesus. That text tells us that there's some people that are just not going to be concerned about finding Jesus. People that are not going to be concerned about knowing him. People that are really, and, and uh, when, we, when we begin to think about it, we want, to, we want to keep in mind that, that there are those who have committed themselves to not being found by Jesus, to those who are not even wanting to find Him. And the very first part of this text says, in John chapter 12, and at verse 36, it says, While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of the light. 
These things spoke Jesus and departed and hid them, hid himself from them. He departed and hid himself from them. You know, there are some who are not going to find him because he has hidden himself from them. Not going to find him. If we can't find him ourselves, maybe it's because he's hidden from us. He's hidden. You say, well, why would he do that? In Luke chapter 4, at the very first public statement that Jesus made, the first sermon we have him preaching at a synagogue, after he finished his sermon, after he finished speaking about the Word of God, and he was in, in Isaiah chapter 61, it says at verse four, verse, chapter 4, verse 30, it says, He passing through the midst of them went his way. He was with them. They didn't want him there, so he left. Be careful. When we want to take Jesus and use him for our own purposes and our own desires, he's not going to be there. John chapter 6 at verse 15, it says, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again unto a mountain himself alone. If you're looking for Jesus and you want him to do certain things for you that he hasn't promised to do, he has no intention of doing, you're not going to find him. You can't find him. And if you have not been drawn by the Father to him, if you have not heard his voice, Jesus said, My Father will draw them. He that, he that comes to me will be drawn of my Father, and I will raise him up at the last day, John six forty four. But if the Father doesn't ask you to come, if the Father doesn't draw you, you can't get there. Well, those, those are really uh, frightening things to me to think of, that, that I'm, going to, I'm going to be by myself when I transition over into eternity. I'm going to be without God. I'm going to be without Jesus. And I'm going to be all by myself. And I'm going to be lost. Not just lost for a while. I'm going to be lost for eternity. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Maybe you just have closed your ears to him and said, I don't want to hear what he has to say. And when we decide maybe we know more about the will of the Father than Jesus does, we'll have it our way instead of his, then Jesus has hidden himself from us. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. He that does the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name have cast out devils. In your name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. So don't get the idea that just because God loves you, and because Jesus wants you, that he's going to take you under any circumstance. That he's just going to take care of you regardless of the type of person you are. That won't happen. But if you're lost, if you're lost, somebody's going to come looking for you. I'm going to tell you a story. 
And the, the, reason I, the reason I mention this is because when we first started this out, we talked about the fact that when Jesus came, he came to seek and save that which is lost. And then he marshaled his forces. He said, okay, here are the 12 apostles. I want you to go do what I'm doing. Help me. Help me find these folks. Help me find those who are lost and bring them home. And then he told the apostles, now then, when you find somebody, you tell them to go do the same thing. You go help, help us find somebody. You go get, get, be part of this rescue operation. And that's, that's what the New Testament says. We sometimes call that missionary work. I don't know why we call it missionary work. Maybe it's a leftover from some of the old classical terms that, were, that came out of the Dark Ages. But the point is, we're, we're, out, we're on a mission from Jesus, I guess, and we're going out and trying to find people that are lost and help them get home. People that maybe don't know that they're lost, people that are lost and don't know how to get home, or people just have to be reminded, you know, you need to go home, your, your father's calling you. Anyway... Let me tell you a story. The reason I said that was because we have been uh, privy to a lot of information lately about people who have been uh, lost in different places, different wildernesses in this country. Maybe because of the COVID-19 thing, but a lot of people are going out and taking long walks and hikes in wilderness areas, and they're getting lost. And when they're lost, then somebody has to go find them. Somebody has to go look for them. And sometimes it works out well, and sometimes it doesn't work out well. Sometimes they're not found, and sometimes they just walk out by themselves and say, hey, I wasn't lost, I was just walking around. But I remember several years ago, as a matter of fact, 10 or 15 years ago, that uh, there was a fellow that was lost up in this area. He'd gone hunting, and uh, he had gotten separated from his hunting party. He was deer hunting, I think, or elk hunting. Anyway, he had gotten separated from his party, and it was late at night, and he couldn't find his way home, couldn't find his way back. Up in the mountains, and if you've ever been in the mountains at, at, when it's dark, you'll know that it's pretty scary. And unless you're a Daniel Boone type, it may be hard for you to find your way out. Daniel Boone said he was never lost. He was maybe may bewildered two or three days at a time, but he was never lost. But we get lost. We can get lost in the mountains pretty easily, and we can be in danger of our lives, of our survival. Anyway, this fellow had, uh, had gotten separated from his hunting party and had wandered. He was away from camp, and he, he couldn't find his way home, and the sun went down. So now he's lost. You know what's going to happen? The fellows back at the camp, men and women, I, I think it was several people of the party, uh, hunters. Anyway, he didn't come home. He didn't come back. So they thought, well, surely he'll come back. And so they decided they'd go back where they thought they last saw him, and they did. It was still dark. They had flashlights, so forth. He wasn't there. So they went back to camp. And they spent an uneasy night. Well, maybe in the morning when he can see clearly, He'll come in. The morning came and went, and he didn't arrive. He wasn't there. He was lost. And he probably did several things that lost people do and shouldn't do. You're told, we're told, if you're going to survive in the wilderness, that if you, the first moment you recognize you're lost, be still. Don't move. Don't go anywhere. 
Don't go anywhere. But that's not the inclination you'd have. When you, when you feel like you're lost, what you think you can do is find your way out. You can find your way back. And that's what he did. He thought, well, he knew where he was, and so he tried to find his way back. He was lost. And so still, instead of being still, he just kept wandering around. Well, when he did, when people went to look for him in that place, he wasn't there. In that area, he wasn't there. So the hunting party, the group that he's with, they realize that now it's a little more serious. But maybe by the end of the day, he'd come in. The day passed, he didn't, he didn't show up. So now then, he's another night. Well, at that point, they said, okay, we'd better alert people that he's lost. And so they called in the rangers, the forest rangers, and they let them know. And of course, the forest rangers are going to say, well, where was he last found and so forth and so on. And, and uh, they went through all the process and people are beginning to get upset and excited about the fact that this man is lost. We've got to find him. And so then they organized a search party. People were called in from all around. And there's a group of uh, people in this area that are called search and rescue individuals. They all get together because they're concerned that someone's lost and they go look for the person. And you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to be walking through the woods. They know where they are and they're going to stay apart. I've been on some of these search parties myself. So you stay within a certain period, of, uh, certain distance with each other and you don't, you don't get lost. That'd be, that'd complicate matters. So you start through, start through the woods and you're yelling his name. You're yelling for him. And you're hoping he will hear your voice. The person that's lost. That's the first thing you do. Well, of course, everybody's concerned. And thankfully, the guy came out. They found him. They found him. He did everything wrong, but they still found him. They brought him home. If a child were abducted in your neighborhood, you know what you would do? If somebody came to your door and said, we're, we're forming a search party, would you go with us to find the child? We think he's out in this meadow. Well, you've seen the search parties. They just stretch out and walk through the meadows and the fields looking for the child. And you see the big signs on the freeway, the amber alert, someone is missing, they're in this automobile and so forth. Everybody's going to search. My friend, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again and he found you and he saved you, he said, I want you in my search party because we're going to go look for some more. We're looking for some more. Now, some of them are not going to come. Some of them are not, don't want to be found. Some of them don't care to be found and they don't want to have anything to do with me. Don't be discouraged because when you are out searching for the lost sheep or for the son that's gone astray and you're there to remind them, you're, you're there to tell them, God wants you. He's been looking for you. Come home. You're part of the search party. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Jesus wasn't. He went to the cross. He knew he could find you. And he did. And through you, 
He's going to find someone else. God bless you in your efforts to take the message, the saving message of Jesus Christ to someone who wants to be found and wants to know Jesus Christ and is lost and needs to be found.